Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. To be sure, the Old Testament book of Exodus gives us a complete picture of God's full salvation. From the Passover, a full type of our redemption in Christ, to the feeding of God's people with the heavenly manna and satisfying them with the flowing water from the smitten rock, all of our genuine experiences of the Christian life are marvelously depicted. But the picture would not be complete without the experience of the victory of Christ against the enemies of God's people. The battle is engaged on today's program, so please stay with us for this Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. In 1979 and 1980, he came to the book of Exodus. And joining us again today for fellowship, as we see Israel threatened by a fierce enemy, is Ron Kangas. Welcome back, Ron. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to participate in fellowship that enlightens God's people on how to deal with this fierce enemy. Well, Ron, we have come to a point in Exodus that is very meaningful. We're about to see God's people, the nation of Israel, engage in battle for the first time since their exodus out of Egypt. Here are some excerpts of a few verses in chapter 17. This is uh, verses 8, 9, and verse 13. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out, fight with Amalek. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Ron, some who've been following this life study closely may take issue with us in saying that this portion depicts the first account of Israel fighting against an enemy because they surely had an encounter with the armies of Pharaoh on the occasion of their exit out of Egypt. So why do we say that this is really their first battle? We say this is their first battle because... This, in fact, is their first battle. We could say the crossing of the Red Sea, the dealing with the armies of Pharaoh, that was a battle. But Moses clearly said that the Lord will fight. God fought that battle himself. The children of Israel did not fight. They were beneficiaries of God's glorious fighting on their behalf, but they didn't do anything. Actually, they were told to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's all they did was walk through the waters that had been parted for their deliverance. They got safely on the other side. Then God himself, through the waters, destroyed the Egyptian army. Then there was praise. But here selected men among the children of Israel are actually fighting against Amalek. So this is a battle in which not only God is involved and that behind the scene, but the children of Israel are themselves involved. This is significant in that it indicates 
There are times, such as the Exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea, in which God fights uniquely and directly. We do not fight. There are other times and there are other enemies in which we need to fight in the sense of cooperating with the Lord Jesus as he is fighting against these enemies. So this is, in fact, the first battle. And being the first, it's full of spiritual significance and spiritual lessons for the real seekers of the Lord today. In the spiritual life, there are some major turning points, and the dealing with the flesh is one of these. Those listeners that are ready, having been prepared by the Lord, to go on in a deeper way, this may be the message that they have been particularly needing because it shows how to deal with the flesh, and that dealing opens up a vast realm of inner spiritual experience that ultimately leads to our knowing the body and living in the body. Well, Ron, we're going to see in this first section that the sequence of events leading up to this first battle being fought and engaged in by the nation of Israel is very meaningful. There, no doubt, in God's economy is a reason why they were not active participants in that earlier battle that you just spoke about. Let's join Witness Lee. Now we come to a point which would confirm that this book is a complete picture of God's full salvation. In chapter 16, we have manna from the heavens as the life supply. Then, in chapter 17, we have the living water flowing out of the cleft rock to quench the thirst. After these two instants, you have this fight against Amalek. Do you think this is something accidental or coincidental? No, this was all planned by the Lord. It is a picture showing how after we received life supply and we received the quenching of the living water, we are ready to fight. This fighting is a picture depicting the fight between the flesh and the spirit. Up to this point, there was nothing fighting. This portrays that from the time we got saved and baptized, there shouldn't be any fight until the flesh rises up to fight against the regenerating spirit. The flesh is the real enemy that frustrates us to go on the way following the Lord. Check with your experiences. If we don't have the daily enjoyment of manna, if we don't have the hourly drinking of the living water, you have been already defeated and subdued under the flesh. No doubt, without manna, without the living water, everybody walks in the flesh. Everybody spontaneously is one with the flesh. Only when you are supplied by and with Christ, 
And when you are quenched by and with the life-giving Spirit, you are satisfied, supplied with Christ, and you are just supported by the life-giving Spirit, you are ready. Actually, not only you are ready, the faith is ready. Here, it doesn't say that the children of Israel went to fight against Amalek. But it says Amalek came to fight. When you were not satisfied with Christ, when you were not supplied with the life-giving spirit, you were there, subdued under the flesh. The flesh, of course, always instigated by Satan. Satan is behind the flesh. There is a kind of instigation by Satan. So flesh couldn't tolerate to see you enjoy Christ. Well, you drink of the living water. No, I must rise up. The flesh rises up to fight against you, to subdue you. Ron, after several miraculous experiences of the Lord meeting all their needs, the children of Israel are now called upon to engage God's enemy, Amalek, which comes to them to fight. What does the sequence of events indicate to us in this portion, Ron? And by that I mean God sovereignly waited until after the manna and after the flowing water from the rock before bringing them into their first battle. I like this expression, God sovereignly waited. This was something under God's governmental administration, under God's sovereign plan and direction. The sequence is no accident. In order to fight with Amalek, God's people, the children of Israel, need manna and living water. We need the heavenly food signified by the manna to satisfy our hunger and to strengthen us. And we need the living water to quench our thirst. Suppose Amalek had attacked at the end of Exodus 14. So you have the children of Israel being brought through the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his chariots were destroyed. And then right away, Amalek comes to attack. It would have an altogether different significance. There's a very different dealing here. To deal with Pharaoh and to deal with the Egyptians is to deal with the world and Satan's use of the world to dominate us. To deal with the flesh is to deal with something much more subjective. God knew that his people would need to fight against Amalek, but he also knew that before they could do this, they needed a particular supply. And they also needed some exposure of their own flesh, both with the giving of the manna and the providing of the living water, there's some amount of test and exposure of God's people. But the main point is that they get the supply from the manna and from the living water. It is a small step, actually, to apply this to our spiritual experience. If we don't feed on the Lord in his word, and if we don't drink the Lord as the Spirit— we have utterly no ability to deal with the flesh. There's not even a war. We can't put up any resistance. We're simply in the flesh. We simply are the flesh. 
Only when we are strengthened and supplied by Christ as our food, and only when our thirst is quenched through Christ as the Spirit, do we have the spiritual capacity to fight against the flesh. To deal with the flesh requires an abundant spiritual supply. Among millions of Christians, a very small minority know how to deal with the flesh or are victorious in dealing with the flesh because the vast majority don't have the manna experience, don't have the smitten rock experience, and therefore there's no way. So the sequence here is of tremendous spiritual and practical significance. Well, Ron, you alluded to uh, the world, sin, and the flesh, and we're going to look at these three and how Amalek represents the key one in this coming portion. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. Amalek came with his army without any reason. The only reason was his envy. He wouldn't like to see there is such a people, brilliant, victorious. The Apostle Paul told us, a rock followed them, flowing with the living water. That made all the children of Israel cheerful. They were happy. You have manna? Wonderful. Then look at the rock with water flowing. Man, man is here, water is there. We all are happy. You just consider, suppose by that time the children of Israel didn't have man and didn't have the living water, everybody would fight one against another. Then the enemy would not be so jealous. But now a brilliant people, cheerful, happy people, such a people was there. So Amalek came with his people to just destroy Amalek was the first among the nations that warred against Israel. This tells you that Euphrates, the first one among all the enemies, including the world, sin, and Satan. Not the world so much, not sin so much, not Satan so much, but the flesh. If we don't have the flesh, all the enemies become nothing. We all can say, since the day I began to walk the Lord's way, to seek after the Lord, to follow the Lord, the first one thing, nearly the unique thing that began to fight against me is my flesh. The flesh is the number one enemy to frustrate us from going on with the Lord. This fighting has a goal, and the goal is just to frustrate the children of Israel from going to the good land. Under God's guidance, we all know in figure, this means we have a goal. The goal is to take possession of the all-inclusive Christ. Yes, we have been saved. We did have a wonderful exodus, and we crossed the Red Sea, and we passed quite a part of wilderness. We have had so many experiences, yet we still haven't entered into the all-inclusive Christ. The goal is still ahead of us. Now the enemy, Amalek, they came just to keep us back from going on. Not many have entirely 
entered into the full enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ. Why? Because mostly we have been frustrated by the flesh. Ron, Exodus is very definite in unveiling the real enemies that frustrate God's people, the world, sin, and the flesh. I think most of us would consider that sin may be the primary enemy that frustrates us. But in figure, Amalek here represents the flesh. Why is the flesh the number one enemy? To regard sin as the primary enemy shows two things. First, that we're still at a quite an elementary stage in our growth in life. Second, it may indicate that our view of the Christian life is still mainly in the realm of ethics and of right and wrong instead of having the view of God's economy. When we have that view, the view of God's economy in the shining of light, we see the horribleness of sin. But we also see why the flesh is the number one enemy. The flesh is the number one enemy because in our practical daily life, this is where the battle is constantly. Paul makes this clear in Galatians, especially chapter 5. He talks about the works of the flesh. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He talks about the need to walk in the Spirit so we do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He speaks of those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. Again, in Romans 8, he speaks very strongly about the flesh. So the flesh is the number one enemy, practically speaking, because it's constantly bothering us in an aggressive way. But it's a number one enemy also because the world and sin and Satan all attempt to uh, destroy us through the flesh. The flesh is a kind of gathering place, a meeting hall for sin and Satan and the world to get us. And so even if Satan wants to attack, it's going to be through something. That's his strategy, through the flesh. Sin is sin in the flesh, according to Romans 8.3. The world is very much related to our flesh. So here we are. The first enemy is the first enemy, not only in chronology, but also in spiritual significance. The Lord told Moses that there would be war with Amalek throughout the generations. This is a lifelong battle. Only when we have a glorified, transfigured body, a body that's the same as the Lord's glorious body, only then will we no longer have the problem with the flesh. So constantly we are involved in this war. So for all of these reasons, the flesh is the number one enemy. This is the fact. If we don't regard it as a fact, that may be a kind of negative evidence of the fact because it may be the flesh saying, that it's not the number one enemy. That's the rebellious flesh for you. It doesn't want to be exposed. It doesn't want to be identified as enemy number one. But in Christ and in the light of his word, we have to say the flesh is the number one enemy in attacking God's people 
with the purpose of frustrating them from enjoying Christ for the building up of the body of Christ. Well, Ron, we began today by reading a few verses from Exodus chapter 17. Let me read again verse 9, just this portion. We're going to touch it in our final portion today. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out, fight with Amalek. Here's Witness Lee. Now we go on to the defeat of Amalek. In verse 9 of Exodus 17, God told Moses, to charge Joshua to choose out men. This word man is a particular word. In Hebrew, there are different words which denote man. And the word here not denotes the strong man, but the weak man. In God's eyes, all the children of Israel were weak. And how about us? Under God's sight, all of us, including me, we all are weak men. God doesn't use the strong one to fight. According to us, we would never go to choose the weak one. We would go to choose the strong one. The lexicon tells you this word here denotes weak man. It bothers me. The Lord charged Joshua to choose the weak man. Could you imagine this? Then you tell me, who fought the battle? Apparently, the weak man fought it. Actually, God himself fought it. Because whether there was a victory or a defeat, it all depends upon the hands of Moses lifting up. Whether victory or defeat, it doesn't depend upon those weak men fighting. Yet they had to fight. We all have to fight. But... Don't believe that you can make the victory. You cannot. We all have to fight. But not to fight by ourselves. We have to know Christ as the interceding Moses. And we have to know Christ as the fighting and the killing Joshua. Not only to know him in these ways, but also to experience him in so many aspects. In the aspect of the life supply, manna. In the aspect of the living water, the spirit. In the aspect of the interceding one in the heavens, that is the ascended Christ. In the aspect of the indwelling spirit. This is our today's practical Joshua. He is fighting against our flesh within us and kill our flesh. What we need to do is just to cooperate with him. When he fights, we fight. Actually, our fighting means nothing, but he still wants us to fight together with him. This is the way to defeat our flesh. Ron, the word in verse 9 that we just read a moment ago instructed Joshua to choose men to go out and fight against Amalek. Let me ask you about the implication of what we heard here. The Hebrew word for men in this verse specifically refers to weak men not strong and mighty. This is so foreign to our natural thinking. Why would the Lord want to use the weak ones for this first critical battle? We need to know that in relation to this enemy, we're all weak. There's no strong person. Even the feeling that we're strong is something of the flesh. 
that we are simply too weak to deal with it. That's the significance of the word weak. But we have to deal with it. We have to cooperate. That's the significance of the word men. There needs to be human cooperation with Joshua, with Christ as the Spirit. So as human beings, we need to cooperate. But God does not use strong human beings. He uses human beings who are weak and who know they are weak. So they cooperate, but they know they can't do anything without the Spirit. I like Romans 8.13 in this regard. If you, by the Spirit, put to death the practices of the body, you, that's the human beings, who are weak and know they are weak, but still they have to fulfill their human responsibility, but they do it by the Spirit. So only weak human beings can render the adequate cooperation to the heavenly Christ and the indwelling Christ to deal with Amalek. Ron, this is quite a topic. I'd like to invite you back. I'm going to touch this matter again in a very sober way, and I hope that you'll join us for that program. I'm looking forward to it. This message is foundational. I would encourage our listeners to open to the Lord in prayer and to listen with a prepared heart and to be open to receive the Lord's enlightening that together we may learn how to fight this continuing battle. Our time is gone for today. Once again, I'd like to thank Ron Kangas. I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.